0: Well, happy Memorial Day weekend for those of you who are, are catching this live. And we know a ton of you are probably going to grab it on demand. You're, I'm excited to have you here with us, no matter how you are enjoying the service this week. And we're looking at uh, today, Matthew 5, 8. And it says, blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. And what a powerful central passage of the gospel. What a promise that we can see God, right? And it's blessed are the pure in heart. Pure in scripture means without mixture, without mixture. And pure in heart, therefore, means singleness of motive and of devotion. As opposed to a divided motive with specific reference to either moral perfection or sexual purity, Uh, in Hebrew thought, the heart is used as a symbol of one's mind or thoughts. And here the reference is to thoughts or to a mind concerned solely with pleasing God, according to one of the commentaries I was reading really powerful when you consider the reality that we get to see god not not only in eternity yes in eternity but now we can see his works uh something happened this last summer Uh, we went on a crazy adventure missions trip to indonesia and we had all kinds of plans but earthquakes kind of disturbed the plans. We were going to build some churches. We ended up doing ministry, relief work, uh, going from camp to camp of people that were displaced people groups from uh, earthquakes and tsunami warnings. And we ended up really at the ends of the earth, I would like to say. We were on this little island named Bachan, where they had rarely, if ever, seen anybody with white skin we were treated like uh famous people everywhere we went they would look at us and stare at us it was quite intriguing and one day we went to a particularly remote area todd miller and myself went ahead of the team and and we were praying with different people along the way that were living in villages or different towns And pastors that were having churches built that we weren't able to build at the time due to earthquakes and tsunami warnings. So we were just ministering to people from village to village. And we ended up at this village where we were going to hold a service. And literally, I believe this has to be the ends of the earth, right? It's this remote place that is just gorgeous. I'll I'll throw a picture up here of of Todd and I on, on this beach. It was just breathtaking and there was this calm stream that kind of created a pool before it trickled in to the ocean there and and the water the reflection of the water and just the day here's here's another shot that just shows you how gorgeous this place was i mean the sense Uh, The senses of my visual cortex were firing on all cylinders. You're just looking around at the greenest green and the bluest blue and the sounds of the ocean. And we were just struck by God's majesty and beauty all around us. Uh, Later that night, the rest of the teams joined us to hold this service there. And the sun was setting and it was firing off. All kinds of colors in the sky, and so all the teams were pulling out our, our cameras, and and there's some people there that are dedicated to just taking pictures, and they're carrying a camera all the time, and and, and then we're snapping shots. Here's a, uh, the whole team together with a shot of the sunset in the background, with, and I've just got my iPhone with me the whole time, and and probably some lenses I was throwing on there for a moment, and so we're we're like trying to catch all these these uh images because it was one of the most beautiful experiences of a lifetime that you just never forget kind of a refreshing moment after a very hot and hard uh day and driving there most people got car sick so it was just like way far out and uh so i was watching the sunset and i remembered that picture i had taken earlier during the day of that glassy pond with with like the clouds and the trees and i was like could i get the sunset reflection in that little pool, if possible. And, uh, uh, and, and so I snapped a shot on my iPhone in that pool and, and it still had a couple calming ripples because the kids that were there were just constantly chucking stones to skip rocks on this smooth water. So to, to find a moment where you could just, you know, raise your phone and go click and capture that shot was tough. And, and soon enough, the, the two of the different guys with their DSLR cameras come over and they're like, that's a great idea. And they're trying to catch a shot and they wait for the water to calm. And, and right as they go to click, every time a kid the, would just chuck a rock in the water and it would just go bloop right in the middle of their picture. Here's, here's the two different cameras that were taking pictures and, and look at these shots right here. If you look real close right in the middle of them, you're gonna have a little plop in each one of them from a rock. And it looks pretty smooth still, but it got darker and darker and darker because they just kept waiting and waiting and waiting to see if kids were gonna stop throwing rocks. And they'd try to tell them, don't, we're gonna take a picture and then somebody else would throw a rock. And it was actually quite humorous because they were so jealous that I could just take my phone out and just go pop and capture that image. And they had to kind of wait and dial in the the, the changing light and all these things on their DSLRs. And they were just upset that I could get the photo that they couldn't get. And we joked about it for a while. But here's the reality. It didn't take a very big stone uh, to make these guys just so bummed because their shot, the smallest pebble, made a huge delay in getting their shot and even the capacity for them to get their picture that they wanted to get. It messed up their visual. And uh, there's something amazing that happens when we see God's handiwork around us and seeing his creation in one of the most remote places on the planet was impossible really to explain or catch on camera even though we tried. And in the same way, I think when we're trying to see God at work around us, we find ourselves challenged to get a clear picture. And this passage today is talking about that. It's talking about what is the way to seeing clearly. Our big idea today is true life is found when we clearly see God. So we have to somehow clearly see God. How do we do this, right? Life has a way of being overwhelming and particularly right now, but we've found a way to uh, true life and peace of mind through a growing relationship with Jesus. And this growing relationship with Jesus is the key to purifying our heart and having a, uh, being pure in heart because life will interfere with the sparkling clear mirror-like water of our life. And there's going to be ripples and there's going to be distractions. How do we smooth that out so that we can clearly see God? How do we grow our relationship then so that we can clearly see God? Our ability to see God is impacted by the purity of our heart. This beatitude tells us that when our hearts are pure, we will see God. It's just that's the real, reality of it all. And so when, our, when there's no obstruction in the way we're going to see God, so take these guys that had their uh, like DSLR camera. And if you've ever used a camera like this, what have all of us done when you want to clearly see a moment and capture a moment, we take the camera up and we're like, huh? why isn't it working? Oh, the lens caps on you ever done that <laughs> i so done that so many times and right now right now there's some younger people going oh they still make those i just take pictures on this thing right <laughs> it's so funny the world we live in but literally It's the only camera, phone's the only camera some people use, but the the challenge is we go to catch a moment and a lens cap is on. That can happen in our spirit. Like we go to a moment where we're expecting to just experience God in a crazy way, but we're like, nothing's happening. Have you checked your heart? Have you checked the lens cap? Have you looked to see if if your heart is pure? Because you will see God. True life is found when we clearly see God. So how do we how do we make sure we live with purity of heart? How can we get that glassy water pure moment and make sure the lens cap isn't on? Thought one. We're purified when we follow Jesus. When we follow Jesus. Like it's a it's a moment. Listen to this. Romans 1, 17 says, The good news, which is the gospel, right? The good news tells us how God makes us right in His sight. This is, this is accomplished from start to finish by faith. As the scriptures say, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. Okay, you got to catch what is in there. God gives us sight When we're made right in his sight, we get sight when we're right in his sight. That's the reality of that passage. But not only that, this is done by faith in Jesus alone. And it not only begins to work out your purity in that moment, it finishes the job. Did you catch it said from start to finish by faith? There's no element of this, purity in heart that is you. Jesus did what was necessary from start to finish for your heart to be pure on the cross by resurrecting from the grave. Now we can see God when we put our faith in Jesus. Ephesians 2.8 says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. From start to finish, this is a gift from God. We just have to put our faith in Jesus. It's time, if you've yet to do so, to choose to follow Jesus. Put your faith in Jesus because that's when you'll experience purity of the heart. And all of a sudden, the lens cap is off. And you can see clearly, not only God now, but in eternity A pure heart is more than just the act of purifying your heart by faith in an instant, by putting your faith in Jesus. It's the continued responsibility to live with a pure heart that brings the challenge, if you will. That's when it's hard to continue with a pure heart, isn't it? That's where Life can bump you, and the details and the constant blows of life can can pull our focus off of Jesus and following Jesus. And then our motives are impacted, and, and, and things, our tensions divided, and we're no longer in sole focus on our relationship with Jesus. Will we continue to love one another? right or will we demand our freedoms at the cost of the vulnerable will we continue to serve others or will we shrink back as to not put ourselves in harm's way distractions come we begin to worry and then we start taking control and and guarding our heart but yet at the same way we stop seeing God Will we twist and, and bend the narratives of the world around us to our advantage, advantage or will we be free from motives in order to be pure of heart and clearly see God? The author of Hebrews kind of shares it bluntly like this, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. Living with a pure heart means we're living out our faith with sincere hearts, fully trusting Jesus. Our motives will be tested when we fall. We're going to sin the gospel is still good news and it can pick us back up again, right? We're challenged here to bring our guilty consciences before the Lord. The cross, by faith, we're to lay these things, our, our guilt down at the feet of Jesus and say, can you, can you take this from me? I give my life to you, Jesus. You're my savior. You're the only one who can see me. So once again, I can open my eyes and see you clearly. Here I am, Lord. Forgive me. Um, If we will trust God for salvation, we must continue to fully trust him at all times through every circumstance. When we miss the mark, trust him for forgiveness to bring us right again, to put our heart in a right place again. We must allow him to purify our hearts. And every day, it says in scripture, is a new day. His mercy is new every day. So we got to come to God. We got to lay ourselves, our lives before the Lord. Following Jesus is both a choice where instantly our faith makes our hearts pure and allows us to see God. But it's also a discipline, a lifetime, a lifestyle where we will continue to see God if we continue to lay our lives down and surrender and confess. True life is found when we clearly see God. And you will see God. Psalm 24, 3-4 through says, who may climb the mountain of the Lord who may stand in his holy place only those whose hands and hearts are pure who do not worship idols and never tell lies wow so what gets in the way of our pure pure of heart challenge here so that we can see God thought too interferences they pull our focus off God. Interferences pull our focus off God. God wants all our focus. He wants to be what's in focus, right? He wants our undivided devotion to him like nothing else. Listen to how Paul explained it when he was challenging the Corinthians, and he was giving them some rules that were tough to swallow, and he says in 1 Corinthians 7.35, he says, I'm saying this for your own good, not to restrict you, but that you may live in a right way in undivided devotion to the Lord. He was challenging them. This is the way to live in undivided devotion to the Lord. At the time, he's teaching on singleness. But the reality is the heart of that talk was, how do you live an undivided devotion to the Lord, seeing God pure of heart? Uh, God's not wanting to restrict you from living life to the full right now, but to allow you to live life to its intended fullness through undivided devotion to him. Life is still going to occur around us. We're not hiding in a bunker to stay pure, right? It's Life is happening around us, but how do we keep God as our sole focus? Now, look at this image. Uh, how do you how do you not just love this cute little dude? This is Preston, if you don't know. Uh, my son, our youngest and super cute boy. But look at the picture again here. See how he's the only one in, in focus and, and kind of the chairs and the lights and the tree and everything in the background is is blurred. A uh, little photography example that I'm going to use to its full exam- its full potential today. Um, have you ever seen these photos where it's blurry in the background and, and that's called depth of field? Or maybe if you have an iPhone, you've heard a lot about bokeh. What is bokeh? It's a Japanese term that means blur, but the reality is that's what you're seeing. The blur in the background is called bokeh, and, and on an iPhone, you could go to portrait mode, and you can make it strong or weak, or you could change the bokeh after you take a picture. It's pretty awesome if you're in photo mode, portrait mode, I guess I'd say. But chances are you don't get upset because the background's blurred. You look at a photo like that, and you go, whoa, this is a really nice photo. Well, why do you say that? Because our eyes actually work this way. Um, Right now, I'm staring in the lens of a camera. Jaden's kitchen is in the background. He's actually sitting right here very quietly every week. And it's pretty funny when he has to sneeze or cough and he's trying not to make any noise. Side note, I get distracted easy. But So, uh, you know, when I'm looking at this lens, everything's blurry. Even the mic that's up here is blurry and the table down here is blurry because I'm looking at the lens. That's depth of field. What's in focus is this camera. And when you have an iPhone or a camera like this, you can adjust your depth of field by opening up your photo app and uh, if it would like actually open. And if you, if I just wanted this TV in focus, I can put my finger on this and hold it and it locks this in place. I don't know that you can even see that. You probably can't, but the reality is it locks the focus in place. What does this have to do with this talk? Well, chances are when you see a depth of field image like Preston's, and that's how I took that picture. I had him right in front of a tree and I I zoomed in on him and I held my finger down and I captured him as the only thing in focus in the picture. And this restricted all those distractions from consuming focus. He was the point of focus in my image and nothing was going to disturb that. It had the right lighting and all that, but I'm not mad that I'm restricted from seeing everything else. I'm pleased because I'm seeing exactly what I wanted to see. That's the way God wants us to live our life, right? He wants all these distractions and interference to have a high bokeh. Let's blur those things. Let's blur disease. Let's blur governmental inference. Uh, let's blur conspiracy theories. Let's blur the the challenges with our economy. They're real. We don't want to ignore them. But... We want to teach people how to put their finger on the thing that matters most in life, which is our relationship with God. Hold that finger down and lock in focus. That's what we're talking about. It's more important today than ever to lock our focus on God so that the things of this world don't all come into the image and make the image just busy confusing, distracting. Where's your focus today? Is your focus on the thing that might come into the shot? Are you worried about what doesn't even exist yet in the frame? Sometimes our eyes get fixed on the obstacles when God wants our focus locked on him. And maybe, maybe kids right now, you can, it works on an iPad. It works on a phone just kind of get that out. Get the camera app out. Hold it down and get up close to something. Hold it down and then realize, wow, everything's blurred around you. And and whenever you do that in the future, I want you to remember one thing when you're taking a picture from this point forward. My focus needs to be on God. Like my heart's oneness needs to be committed to Jesus first. And Jesus addressed this in religious people's lives um, I, I want to share this story with you and then wrap this talk up. But he, he was confronting traditions and religious rules and traditions of his day, simply walking through a field, eating some wheat. His disciples were were, were taking the, the wheat and eating it and, and without washing their hands. And it was on a Sunday or the Sabbath. And so the religious people were like, why would you why would you let them do this? This is unholy. This is not along with our tr- religious traditions. We don't work on the Sabbath. They're working for their food. And there was this controversy. And this is what Jesus says in Mark seven fourteen. Jesus called the crowd to come in here. All of you listen, he said, and try to understand. It's not what goes into your body that defiles you. You're defiled by what comes from your heart. What comes from your heart? Then Jesus went into a house to get away from the crowd, and his disciples asked him, what what was meant by the parable you just used? And don't you understand either, he asked? Can't you see that the food you put into your body cannot defile you? Food doesn't go into your heart, but only passes through the stomach and then goes into the sewer. By saying this, he declared that every kind of food is acceptable in God's eyes. And then he added, it is what comes from inside that defiles you. For from within, out of a person's heart, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, wickedness, deceit, lustful desires, envy, slander, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these vile things come from within. They're what defiles you. Man, when we're struggling with sins, and on that list, we've all stumbled into one of those, right? It's, it's a heart issue. that that Jesus is addressing there. And he wants us to be pure of heart. And when we deal with the sin in our life, we must ask God to forgive it, bring it before him so that we could be pure of heart. And once again, see God, because true life is found when we clearly see God. Romans 1.18 says, God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth and their wickedness. They know the truth about God because he has made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky through everything God made. They can clearly see his invisible qualities, clearly See his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature, so they have no excuse for not knowing God. We have no excuse. Right now, we have no excuse. We can see God if we'll just be pure of heart, if we'll not give in to the interferences and let those cloud our spiritual vision. We just need to follow Jesus, bring our sins to a place of confession and forgiveness today. And then we can ask God to forgive us of the interferences and accept that forgiveness and purity of heart and once again, live the adventure of seeing God move around us and being a part of his story. We'll once again, experience the true life found when we clearly see God. Okay, we've got challenge for you today. Our action point, live with a clear focus on God. So how do we do that? We've explained it. The first thing we need to do is we need to choose to follow Jesus. We need to give our lives to Jesus. He needs to be our Savior for our heart's sake, to help us be pure of heart. We can't do it without Jesus. Not by our works. From start to finish, it's our faith in Jesus. The second thing we need to do, we need to confess our sins to him, ask his forgiveness so that we can get all the interferences out of the way and put our finger to lock in focus. On God. And how do we lock in that focus? Third thing is we uh, jump on the path of maintaining purity of heart. That's by practicing the three. We talk about what does it look like for you to connect with God and each other? You know, reading the Bible and, and taking time to, to pray and have fellowship with one another. How about serving? right? Serving is, is serving God and each other. How are we doing at that? This is how we grow our relationship with Jesus is we, we pray for people and we, we see, you know, pray, see, help. It, it's praying for people. It's seeing the needs and then it's actively helping the needs around us. It's sharing our lives with God and each other. That's being generous with our life, with our resources, our times, talents, treasures, it's sharing encouragement. It's literally sharing right now as we're still socially distanced. Sharing what's lifting us up. We need to do these, these three things so that we can be pure of heart and see God. Can I pray for you? One of those responses or all of those responses hit each of us. So let's put our finger on God and lock in focus on him today. So God, I thank you for the opportunity we have to come to you today to lock in on this talk online so that we can lock in on you. We want to lock our focus in on you so that the interferences around us become a blur and you become so clear daily as we live we have to thank you for your mercy. We have to thank you for the opportunity we have today to invite you into our life, to be our Lord and Savior. If we've yet to ever do so, we we choose to follow you today. Or maybe we're, we're here and haven't been in church for a long time. We recommit our lives to you. We're restarting right now. And I, and I pray for those that are starting a relationship with you that they'll immediately see you in and around their life uh, as well. God, I pray for the, the forgiveness of our sins. You said we just need to confess our sins to, to one another and bring our sins to you. And God, we, that list that you rattled off to the Pharisees as an example of the things that, that impurify our heart, the opposite of pure, right? We stumble into those. So would you forgive us? Would you cleanse us of those sins? so that sin won't get in our way of clearly seeing you. And then finally, God, will you give us the strength to continually work on the purity of our heart? Will you allow us to connect with you and each other, to serve you and each other, and to share our lives with you and each other? May that grow our relationship with you and allow us to live this life that's truly life, as we clearly see you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Blessed are you.